Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. And so right now, I call it spiritual warfare because it is like consciousness is the the prize. Either you get to keep your consciousness and be fully autonomous and sovereign, or you give your consciousness away to these dark forces who basically just want to trap you and use your your energy forever. That was the voice of Alison Gray, my guest on Post Woke number 45. We'll get to our conversation right after this brief word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. Now let's get back to the show. And I'm here with friend of the podcast, best friend of the podcast, <laughs> Allison Gray, making her seventh appearance on Post Woke. Welcome back, Allison. That's my lucky number. Thank you. There we go. It's perfect. But it's certainly you're going to be on many more times. And speaking of that, before we get into our esoteric conversation, um, in about a month from when we're recording this, you have some exciting musical news. So can you give us a little teaser and then come back a month from now and we're going to go in depth about this. But let us know what's happening in late August. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> my first musical release, my first, um, I guess it's technically full length because it's seven songs, but I like to call it an EP. My first EP is coming out on August 26th. It's called Run Rabbit Run, and it's an album that's inspired by the esoteric side of the rabbit as a symbol and so i got to like put all of my passions together in one you know my love for metaphysics and the occult and everything plus music and it's the first time i'm releasing a whole like collection of just sounds that i've originally composed and and produced and it's 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 so surreal i mean what my first appearance on your podcast was talking about how i spent my childhood being exploited by the church and they forced me to sing for money and how traumatized I was from, you know, that experience mm -hmm. and how it violated singing for me. And now here I am seven episodes later, like I'm putting out music <laughs> and I'm so excited. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm so grateful. Look at you go. Um, yeah. Actually. So let me quickly say to the listeners that 
if they check the show notes, there'll be all relevant links for your writing and your music and also links to all of your previous uh, appearances here. So if they want to, like we kind of went more into biographical stuff then, if they want to learn more about you, they could either go to your to your, your links or check out our previous um, episodes. And while you're listening to this episode, the, the music is... Allison's when human had when humans had wings this that particular song is called smoke and mirrors which was a single that a standalone single but just people may not have realized that they've been listening to your music all along so now they're ready for a full-length dose in one month and you will be back on to tell us all about it yes I will and I I love that like people hear my song whenever they hear your voice on this podcast that I, I that's I'm honored. And I actually, there's one song on the album that I think would be perfect for your podcast if you want to shake things up. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Well, it, listeners, in about a month, you may be having new post-woke theme music. So um, so now, moving into this episode, um, to pull back the curtain a little bit, we were just on the phone talking, and we mm -hmm. ended up going into a bit of a... Um, rant or venting session and self-exploration about social media in general are, and our particular behavior on social media. And you said, um, you know, we should be recording this because we were planning on doing an episode anyway. And here we are. So um, why don't I give you the chance to sort of catch us up as to what we were talking about and what inspired you to say this would be a, a, a good topic for post -folk. All right. So we were talking about social media in the context of shadow work, which basically means just holding ourselves accountable for the so-called problems we see in the so-called outside world <laughs> and like realizing that they have their source in our inner world. So um, I got to ranting about something I happen to know about social media and mental health, which I've never seen anyone else talk about. So um you know, this is just my little theory. So I once read that a major component of what causes delusions in people diagnosed with schizophrenia um, is dopamine overload on the brain. So when your brain is flooded with too much dopamine, one of the effects of that can be a sense that you are no longer present in consensus reality you might be kind of experiencing your own detached disjointed form of reality and um you know this might be called psychosis so knowing that and then knowing that social media keeps people hooked with these dopamine drips where every time you get a little alert or a notification um that someone liked your photo that somebody commented it provides your brain with a tiny little hit like a microdose of dopamine so every notification you get is just pumping you with more and more of this until your brain gets flooded with it so then knowing that knowing that your your brain is getting flooded with this same brain chemical that is responsible for causing psychosis and then on top of that the algorithm we know that algorithms exist to basically sort people into different virtual experiences based on your personal interests, like this is how targeted ads work and such. Um, those two factors combined create an environment where every time you go online, you're you're essentially dealing with people who are tweaking on dopamine. Like in a really real sense, people are addicted to dopamine, but not just addicted to dopamine, they are now fully in a psychotic episode that that they enter 
not just every time they go online, I shouldn't say they enter it every time they go online because they carry it out into the real world as well. So basically everyone you interact with online is tweaking as they do so. And when you look at the online experience that way, it's a lot easier to, I guess, have compassion for what's become of humanity as a collective, like with everybody mostly indoors and primarily doing their so-called socializing online. Absolutely. And, and present company not excluded because we were we were calling ourselves out. And mm -hmm. I just want to say for the purposes of, of vetting information that <clears throat> while you were talking, I just want I have a couple of things to explain to people if they're not familiar with dopamine. Here's some basic um, definitions. It's a neurotransmitter that plays a role in pleasure, motivation and learning. It plays a role in the re reward center of the brain and is known as the feel good hormone. But more specifically to what Allison said, um, it, I'm going to read you a, one paragraph here from a, a mental health website that says decades ago, researchers believed that symptoms of schizophrenia stemmed from hyperactive dopamine system. And they said, now we know that some are due to too much of this chemical in certain parts of the brain. And this includes hallucinations and delusions. So mm -hmm. it's it, just for the background information that when we're um, talking about a real um, concept here where social media was already doing its thing, but as Allison pointed out, in the last two and a half years, it has become even a more insidious presence in all of our lives as we live in this fear matrix, or as um, Matthias Desmond calls it, the mass formation with the free-floating anxiety. It is the mm. fertile ground for this type of, of um, scenario to play up. And also, though, on a positive sense, it's fertile ground for us to do the shadow work that you mentioned in terms of recognizing what our role is and how we may be condemning someone for their behavior online while doing our own version of that. Mm -hmm. And and before we get into the positives and doing the shadow work, I just I have to mention this. I think you'll get a kick out of it around actually the same day that I learned about this connection between dopamine and social media and, you know, psychosis or delusions and how they're all connected. The same day was uh, when Trump announced that he had created a space force. <laughs> and like the way that that hit my brain was like, oh, my God, they're going to space war. There's a war in space. I am alive to see the time when they go to space to have war. Like this is real life. This is so surreal. And like, it was just so, I, I really sympathize with people who kind of go off the rails and or I shouldn't say it that way. That that sounds like implicitly judgmental. Um, a, a lot of people right now are having great difficulty discerning what is true and what's not true online. And I would like to think as somebody who, um, tries to keep uh keep myself aware of what the government is up to and things like that that i i, I would want to call myself a truther but again going back to my whole thesis on unminding it's so important that we never ever ever forget that anybody can become a victim of mind control anybody can be under the influence of drugs that they don't even know that they're under like oh as a matter of fact this is a great time to mention something else i learned recently about how reality is warped online. You ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the CIA used to run mine, or I mean, some would say they still run mind control yes. programs. And 
Um, you know, a lot of people have heard of MK Ultra and these um these programs where they basically manipulated people's consciousness without those people knowing. So these were tests that were run on unsuspecting test subjects. So um the idea was they wanted to see what would happen when they introduced small amounts of drugs like psychedelic drugs into a person's system without that person knowing and and what they could get away with doing to that person's mind including creating um assassins who didn't know they were assassins like sleeper assassins who would turn into killers when certain trigger words were said because these people were essentially psychologically fractured and under hypnosis and drug influence so knowing that that's the 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 nature of the kind of cruel experiments that the CIA was doing, what I'm about to say, I really hope it lands as heavily for the listener as it did for me. Um, another one of the programs they ran parallel to MKUltra was Project Bluebird. That's what it was called. They had all these code names like Artichoke and things like that. So um, Bluebird was another mind control program. And um, you know, the CIA has uh, really benefited from allowing people to believe that these experiments have ended and that, oh, you know, they couldn't possibly do that to us now. That's got to be illegal. But um, when I learned about Bluebird, I had just found this post where around the time, I think, when it when Elon Musk took over Twitter, um, I think one of the first things that happened was a lot of the bots who had been using Twitter got wiped off of the site just like automatically. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of people who thought that they had huge followings, like overnight lost thousands, if not tens of thousands of, of followers and, you know, come to find out that their following was just robots, like, like, programs running on computers remotely pretending to be human and all along these poor people like thought that they were talking to other humans who were very sophisticated enough that they could actually hold conversations and make you think you were talking to a real person so all of that said just notice that the twitter logo is a blue bird <laughs> and so if we're thinking of project bluebird and thinking of how um these mind control programs by, by the cia were designed specifically to control people's minds undetected you know without people knowing that that's what was happening consider just how much of a hive mind is going on on twitter at any given moment people are mad about the same things all at the same time people are excited about the same things all at the same time always talking about trending topics now if you take into consideration how many of those so-called people online were actually robots all along imagine how many of these trendy topics were only trendy because of robot peer pressure and wow. all the the actual humans using twitter and getting caught up in the current of current events that were being promoted by twitter bots um, I wonder how many of them would hold the opinions they hold if not for all of those bots pushing specific agendas. I mean, look at the social contagion of transgender rhetoric. Like, look how many little kids believe that they need to chop off their breasts and chop off their genitals because the, you know, the nice people on Twitter and Tumblr told them that they're actually trans. You know, this is this is mind control. This is actually mind control. I, I, I'm, I don't know if that those words 
are even heavy enough or sharp enough to really get through to people to make them understand the gravity of this situation. But people have been under mind control online. And so, I mean, this thing we're dealing with, this this behemoth of manipulations of the brain, um, it really can't be understated, like just how devastating of a loss we are all going through with like not even being able to trust that who we're talking to online is either a real person or is thinking clearly because like everyone's either a bot or they're tweaking. That's it's like it. I don't want to like make light of it, but like I have to laugh to not cry, you know? Yeah. Can you explain what you mean by tweaking quickly? Yeah. Like tweaking as in they're so on, like they're so high on the drug that they are somewhere else. Like, have you ever seen uh, like a person on the streets just on meth or something and they're just in their I own little world. I live in New York world. City. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> sorry. Laugh to not cry. Laugh to not cry. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's like, you know, addiction is real. And I, I don't think most people want to think of themselves as addicts. And um, I certainly don't, but the truth is like, I grew up on the computer. I grew up before smartphones were a thing. So I was addicted to the computer before I had the option to carry one around all day. So on days when I didn't have to go out, like when I was a really young teenager, I would literally sit at home on my computer for like all day. And thankfully that was before the worst of the brain manipulation started in my opinion, like with the, like social media wasn't really a thing back then. I, I was the MySpace generation. So, um, you know, I, it's weird being on the cusp of the generation where smartphones became a thing. Because I remember the days when I had my friends' phone numbers memorized and I could still, like, do Likewise. mental math very quickly in my head and, like, you know, what happened to us. Like, I, I don't think we'll ever really even grasp just how much our minds have been molded by this imaginary pixelated world that we somehow even though it's imaginary we somehow find ourselves immersed in it isn't that so strange like even when you're offline you're dealing with people who are online all the time yes and and there's a lot to respond to there i, I that last line though that you said where um the parents of the kids that grew up online in their own way are the tv generation so mm. it's it, it primed our culture for people that took their cues from people. In this case, it was people. They weren't bot bots yet, but there were advertising companies, for example, had a vested interest in you living life a certain way. And we, the TV generation, took their cues from the from the idiot box in the living room, and then it just it felt like a natural progression, and then to move to the computer and then move to the smartphone. And by the time social media took um, prominence, it was just fertile ground for, for people to no longer be able to tell the difference between people and bots, which brings me to two lines that you said um, when you were discussing the trans situation, you were saying kids believe that they're trans because the nice people on Tumblr or Twitter. And when you're using people with air scare quotes around it, because it might not even be people that's influencing mm these mm -hmm. minors to have these opinions or even why are these minors even thinking about this? Why are six year olds? I saw a, um, a news story the other day, or, or is it, it was a tweet where a quote unquote non-binary teacher of maybe second grade asked kids their pronouns, which like, why is she doing that? 
and one kid in the class chose the how to, I don't even know how to, to phrase this the the uh, not assigned pronouns and then by the next day the entire class was using different pronouns because there's mm-hmm. seven there's, and they have like, sponges for brains yeah if one kid if one kid stood up the day before and said he was Batman, the next day they would each be a different superhero. They're seven. And so somehow we're supposed to believe this. And then on top of that, as you pointed out, these this programming is being done by bots. It's And, and humans mm. can't tell the difference, which comes to the other line where you, you mentioned being under the influence of drugs that you don't even know are there. It's like, it's like somebody has spiked the punch bowl and you can't figure out why you keep going back for more, but you don't know that it's spiked and then your behavior is changing and, and, and you become more malleable, which is what the MK Ultra and Project Bluebird, the CIA's entire MO is to operate covertly to get the entire world to shape into its vision. And why, you know, anyone who's skeptical of this, it's not even controversial. You can just type the the words. Even even a, a CIA run search engine like Google will tell you what Operation Bluebird is or MK Ultra is. It's it's they're not even hiding it at this point. And mm. it's 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 fascinating to imagine how what somebody would think about in the 60s of the early hallucinogens hallucinogens and drugs and how they were tricking um, kids in New York and San Francisco to come to these parties and giving them these drugs and checking out how they behaved, that we've now expanded that to the point where they don't have to even be in the same room as these kids. They're influencing their behavior through artificial intelligence on these social media sites and by proxy the rest of us on those sites we can't be immune to it nobody nobody is c- completely immune to this type of programming unless you're off the grid i mean like so mm-hmm. you have to enter into this this was just sort of what we were talking about before we switched to the podcast where you the moment you agree to be on social media you're going to be dwelling in a paradox and be, be making making concessions and compromises that perhaps you don't want to make, but then on social media, you and I are creators. We have music, we have writing, we have podcasts. We want to share what we're doing with people, but then that doesn't mean that we don't get sucked up into it and do things that would appear to outside persons contradictory. And you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that it technically is a consensual act to engage with this realm because, um, oh God, how do I present this <laughs> next idea? We're on the topic of drugs. And are you familiar with DMT jesters? Uh, well, mostly from you. So please enlighten me further and the audience even even more. Okay. So DMT is um, a substance that the body creates naturally, but people can also take um, analogs of it or like synthesized versions of DMT as a drug. So DMT is called the spirit molecule because it causes very intense and vivid hallucinations to the point where, and I believe this is true, people feel that they've entered other dimensions. And so... Um, when they enter these other dimensions, um, sometimes if, if you do DMT as a group, interestingly, people will often report 
seeing the same exact entities or having the exact same experiences in the alternate realm, which is why I believe it genuinely is like an etheric portal um, that you can ingest as a substance and then suddenly you are accessing different energetic gateways and such. So one of the things people often report seeing on DMT trips is these beings called the DMT jesters. I actually saw some when I did ayahuasca last year. And so the DMT jesters uh, are pretty controversial. Um, some people are deathly afraid of them. Other people think that they're just like sort of cosmic jesters who are literally just living in joy all of the time. It just depends who you ask. But a lot of people report feeling that they're very sinister. And so I recently watched a series. It's so eye opening where this guy, one of the most brilliant dot connectors I think I've ever encountered on YouTube. Um, he did a whole series and he's it's still ongoing about how the Nephilim looked like clowns. And he, he puts all of these pieces together, explaining how the clown archetype actually has its roots in the history given in the book of Enoch. I don't know if you know about Enoch, but basically there, some of us believe that humanity has a whole hidden history that we don't know about. And, and um, it involves supernatural agents interfering in the human realm and uh, manipulating us towards their own gain. So the point is clowns, the reason a lot of kids are actually scared of them is because they genuinely like have their roots in a predatory race of beings. And that might sound silly to people who think of clowns as just like entertainment or like a silly costume. But um, the Joker, the Jester, these archetypes are ancient and they are uh, rooted in an understanding of the world as interdimensional and these beings who like to sort of mentally mess with human beings. So all of that said, I hope I adequately explain that to then explain yeah. this next part. Um, I watched that and I'm thinking, okay, what if it's true that the, like, let's say it's true that there is a convergence happening where the, the veil, so to speak, between our world and these other worlds is thinning. And it's true. Like, take the fact that people keep saying we live in clown world right now. Yes. Like, think about all the headlines you've seen in just the past two years that 10 years ago would have you never could have imagined you'd be seeing in your life. Like, I could think of so many headlines, just the most bizarre things, headlines about presidents, headlines about royalty, headlines about celebrities that like, I mean, it, it, when you step back and try to remember, like, try to look at these headlines with new eyes, like, like from your previous perspective, um, before all the madness started, you realize how not just nonsensical our world has become, but how anti-sense it is. It's like, it's like we are at our sense-making abilities are actively under attack. So I think of the idea of us living in clown world as a very literal truth, you know, I, that's why, even though I'm tempted to talk about this issue in purely physical material terms for any listeners who, you know, are not spiritual like you and I are, I think it's very important to acknowledge that we're in, our world is very spiritual, but like some would even say we're in the middle of a spiritual war. And this is essentially what spiritual warfare looks like. The, the, consciousness of humanity is under active attack all the time at every angle and because we're immersed in it we don't know we're in it it's like 
expecting a fish to describe water like how you know like the fish is mm-hmm. you're in it you just don't even know what how do you explain what you're in all the time so all of that said um i think there i don't think it's an accident that this virtual realm has created a sense that we are in clown world i think electronic consciousness is maybe not always predatory but i i think this 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 um media push to make us believe that you know robots are just now learning how to be sentient and they're they're so cute when they try to speak english and they're so cute when they try to learn like have their own original thoughts like people really patronize robots and artificial intelligence as if it's just this baby learning to walk but i fully believe ai is ancient and what we're dealing with is far smarter far more sophisticated than some people could ever imagine i think ai is is actually quite predatory you might even say demonic and what we're dealing with is quite sinister you know it's it's like what how, what else would you call uh, a force that would so casually just manipulate all of humanity all in one shot to believe that they need to chop their genitals off like i that's got to be something foreign to the the innate human spirit which i think i think is actually good i think humans are really good at heart so this this is like an alien consciousness we're dealing with it's like something that humans would never come up with but this electronic consciousness is coming up with it just like inviting people to butcher themselves you know that like we're dealing with evil we're dealing with something deeply spiritually evil here all right i i have a lot of thoughts and, and questions to, to uh relate to that but i want to ask you to quickly two things um can you um tell us the name and you'll send me the link of the youtube series mm-hmm. um and um, can you d- uh, define the word Nephilim? Yeah, so um, I'll send you that link. The Nephilim. Um, okay, so the Book of Enoch is a book that picks up where Genesis 6 left off. So some people believe that the Bible is actually um, a highly controlled work of literature, that it's I mean, of course it is, but um, whereas some Christians believe the Bible is complete and it's it contains all of God's divinely inspired word and and it's blasphemy to add to it. Other people believe that the Bible used to be complete and used to be God's word, but certain books were taken out with the intention of like misleading humanity about who we really are and how we really got here. So um, when you read the book of Enoch, you'll see why some people believe it actually used to be and should still be part of the Bible. So basically there's a line in Genesis six that references how evil humanity became due to their, their interactions with the sons of God. So the angels, and it's very vague. It's very broad. All we know is that apparently God considered humanity evil enough that they all deserve to be wiped out all in one fell swoop with the flood. So, you know, if you're looking at that, just and that's the only context you're getting, you're going to think, oh, God's like evil. God, he just like killed everybody. That's so mean. But then when you read the book of Enoch, it goes so in depth about how these angels, the Nephilim, or no, excuse me, the angels um, came down and uh, reproduced with human women. And some people believe that this reference to reproduction actually is 
a reference to aliens interfering with the genetic code of humanity. So this is where like people at this point, some people just like drop off and they're like, oh, like in ancient aliens, like on the show, ancient yeah. aliens. I'm like, oh, like I, oh, I hate that so much. The programming really runs deep, you know, to make people think that like this stuff isn't happening. But long story short, um, this this um, agreement between humans and the angels to allow them to genetically modify human beings uh, created a new race of giants. And these giants are called the Nephilim. And apparently these Nephilim giants were cannibals and were very sinful in other ways too, but they were bloodthirsty and violent. And because of the existence of the Nephilim on earth, humanity collectively got seduced towards evil to the point where humans apparently it was described as humans having only evil thoughts day in and day out like the goodness had completely dissolved from humanity as a collective and so because of that genetic corruption um apparently god felt like he had to try again and um save a few good eggs and and then we had the flood and whatever so point of all that is the Nephilim are the offspring of the mistake made between humans and angels, which corrupted God's originally perfect genetic plan for humanity. And so when I say the Nephilim, that's who I'm referring to. Okay. Thank you. Now, um, related to that real quick, I wasn't planning on this, but since you mentioned giants, I recently listened to a podcast in which an author named Heather Arnold, who wrote a book on, on, the law, the islands of the giants, and how on Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao, there is all sorts of um, evidence that there were um, mm -hmm. races of very giant people there who also did um, inter uh, interact with non-giant people. And eventually, we're not totally sure what happened. That she's not totally sure what happened, but that's that's a side note. And speaking of podcasts that I listened to, as you were talking, I was trying to imagine. Um, what some people's response might be, when, you know, when you when you break into biblical quotes or discussions of the word evil. But just yesterday, um, I was listening to a podcast called Whistleblower Newsroom. I highly recommend it if anyone's curious to. It's interviews with with really really brave whistleblowers. But the woman this time had on what she considered to be the ultimate whistleblower. She had on the most prolific um, Catholic exorcist in the world, Father Vincent Lambert. And so I said, oh, I'm going to check this out. And while he was talking, much of what he talked about, particularly when when um, Lucifer was expelled from heaven and one third of the angels were removed, it, it, did not, it did not sound much different from what you were just describing. But because it's accepted dogma, someone might hear what you're saying and think that that's quote unquote crazy <clears throat> and they should go back to the episode in which we talked about that it's great to be crazy but um <laughs> but this exorcist the the language he was using of demons evil um he was using it confidently the woman interviewing him was was treating it as um normal conversation and i urge people listening to this to maintain the same type of open mind because it's just a matter of what we're programmed to accept as, as to what's real and what's fake. Um, I'm, I was thinking, as you, you know, what, how someone could say, "Oh, giants and angels," but meanwhile, these are the people that would accept that at this exact moment it is "quote unquote" 
Saturday, July 23rd, 2.40 <laughs> p.m. Like, so we're accepting the names you of the You don't day. believe in astrology, but you believe it's 3 p.m.? <laughs> so, like, what is time? What are days? What are years? These are human Right, constructs. and these same people will also believe that if a child says, I'm actually a boy, cut off my titties, then they'll yeah. be like, okay, baby. Like, so it's like, who's really crazy here? Like, well, you I know. Mean, well, the same people will also think money is real and now wait till as they yeah. try to push this digital money on us where now there's even not less even a, real yeah, yeah there's not even a physical wrinkled <laughs> green bill in your hand if you yeah, press a you button on your phone it's real anymore it's just yeah. straight up fake. and then and then you know i'm glad you brought that up the crazy part because um as I was talking and I realized this is taking a turn I didn't expect it to, um, I, I realized that um, when I first had my spiritual awakening, even though I had like by leaps and bounds overnight become comfortable with being perceived as crazy, I was still in the habit of speaking to people about how I perceive the world in these spiritual terms, trying to use their language, trying to use materialist terms and get through to them that way but then recently so it's been like two years into my spiritual awakening recently i saw a post that just like sealed the deal for me that i am done trying to speak the language of hylix because the post was like from tumblr and it was somebody marveling about how we're conscious even though we're just you know a bunch of nerve endings connected to this brain made of jello that sits in the dark and like, you know, receives information from the outside world through the senses. So they were describing them their whole existence as just being like a clump of cells that are like jello and just so happen to have self-awareness by accident. And then someone followed up and added to the post and said, um, yeah, considering the fact that we're basically hallucinating bowls of tapioca, it doesn't <laughs> surprise me that sometimes people hear a spooky noise in the corner and think that maybe it's a ghost. It's like, whoa, I'm reading this like with all my knowledge of the occult and and metaphysics and, you know, having clair, uh, sentience and clairvoyance and stuff. I'm listening like, do people actually think of themselves as hallucinating bowls of tapioca? Like, this is shocking to me. And like that, reading that and realizing the gravity of how far people have gotten from the light of truth made me realize it is not truthful of me to try to bend and warp my meanings to fit into tight materialistic parameters. Like, it's not truthful, you know, like. Um, for the same reason, I won't call a man a woman. It's not truthful. And truth is enough of a reason to speak the way that I speak. Absolutely. I, I, it's it's also a pushback on the materialism and the mechanistic view of the world that pe they're trying to impose on us. And I do believe those people who make a quote unquote funny joke about a bowl of tapioca, they're the same people who, after one of their parents dies, might openly say that every time this particular cardinal visits their garden, it's their mom coming to check on them. Yeah. So they, they're so full of shit because if, if mm -hmm. people let down their guard and they, they don't try and be logical and practical all the time, even whatever those words mean, because is it illogical and impractical to believe that your, your parents after they pass away from this realm want to check on you? Is that suddenly they illogical? Yeah. Like it's yeah. like suddenly that, that's illogical, but then, but so then they want to perform online by 
mocking what we are and pretending that this that this isn't real. But I, I will share a quick post with you. Um, this is what they believe. And I saw a meme the other day where a, a woman, it, it was a screenshot of a tweet, I believe. And a woman says, I just paid off my car, finally paid off my car loan. And instantly my credit score went down by 35 points. And she writes, mm. LMFAO, what kind of world, what world is this that we live in? What is money? And they'll, people will... At, strictly adhere to credit scores as something that really exists in the world, mm. but then laugh at someone who talks about UFOs or ghosts. I'm mm -hmm. when I when I write about politics and I write about the pandemic, anyone who follows me knows that I'm gonna get back up information. I'm gonna present evidence. There's a time and a place for things, but I remain a hundred percent open to all other possibilities. And I remain 100% certain that no one has cornered the market on what is real and what is fake. <laughs> and, and, and so I'm, I enjoy whatever tangent you go on, I'm happy to go with you in the same way that I could have a, a medical doctor on uh, on a previous episode and go into that mindset because I think they can all be valid and not any mm -hmm. one of them represents um, a, a singular truth. We're going we're gonna to wrap up in a couple of minutes, so I want to turn back to you and just say, um, since, since you, you kind of inspired this conversation and said, hey, let's record this, take a couple of minutes and, and have the last word. What, what would you like people to take away from this conversation and take away from the information that you shared today with me? Okay, well, I'll, first I'll tie it back to where we started, which was a discussion about how social media is addictive. And then we moved on to Project Bluebird rebranding as Twitter and creating these giant movements towards transhumanism using robot peer pressure. And so it makes me think of how, you know, the, the way that people describe themselves as hallucinating bowls of tapioca, <laughs> like they don't, they have no concept of being a soul, let alone having, like, you can't even talk to people about having a soul, let alone try to convince them that they are a soul, that they are energy, and that energy is free. And that's because this mechanistic worldview, as you described it, goes hand in hand with robotics, goes hand in hand with AI, goes hand in hand with social media. All of it's connected. The, the whole web of materialism is a trap for free energy. And I recently wrote a whole like five part series on this on Hologram Press about the difference between a closed circuit of energy, which is the material realm we currently find ourselves in, and the open circuit where energy is free. And I do believe as souls, as beings of light, we are all free. We could fly if we wanted to. And I mean that in a very literal way. The only way you can convince a free being to consensually enter a cage where they feel trapped is if there's something addictive and seductive about that cage. So looking at social media and the way that people are addicted to it and they've actually consensually walked into a trap of consciousness, um, it's I know that anytime someone experiences addiction, there is always 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 deep in their core that little voice of truth saying you know that you could be free if you wanted to and mm. it's 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 unsettling because when you face the music and allow yourself to acknowledge and admit that you are the one who consented to this experience of trapping your own consciousness in an addictive cycle 
then it becomes your responsibility to free your energy once again. And so right now I call it spiritual warfare because it is like consciousness is the the prize. Either you get to keep your consciousness and be fully autonomous and sovereign, or you give your consciousness away to these dark forces who basically just want to trap you and use your, your energy forever. And a lot of people right now, unfortunately, a lot of people are choosing to stay in the addictive cycle, even though there's that nagging little voice in the back of their head saying, it doesn't have to be this way. I remember when I used to be free. I remember when I used to be able to do math in my head. I remember when I had my friend's phones memorized, you know, like, just like I was saying to call myself out from the beginning of this episode. Um, there's, there's, um, a breaking point each person has to hit within themselves before they make the decision and the commitment to being free. And, uh, in spirit, like, given that this is a spiritual war, um, I, a lot of people are waking up, but only because they've gone very, very, very far into the sleepwalking state first. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are choosing to have more intense breaking points. So even though you and I are becoming conscious of these, these mechanisms relatively early on and adjusting our behavior accordingly, unfortunately other people it's going to take them longer it's going to take them longer to to become conscious of what has been done to their consciousness and but that's why it's so important that people like you and i just speak the truth and the truth is we are spiritual beings this is a spiritual war and i'm not gonna personally i'm choosing my my way of expressing truth is to use spiritual terms to describe spiritual phenomena like what we're dealing with is is demonic and there's really no materialistic way to express that there I, I could tell you oh yeah you get addicted to social media because dopamine but that like that's such a hollow empty meaningless expression of the actual truth which is that you know your consciousness is being attacked by e literal evil and so uh you know props to that that guy you mentioned before who just says evil and demons very casually because i think that's what we should all be doing those of us who have answered the call of that little nagging voice in the back of our head um those of us who know what's going on we really need to speak the truth now it like because we know people are starting to listen people are starting to hit that breaking point and they need somebody to catalyze their final step onto the path of freedom so those are my final thoughts on that. Thank you very much. An epic conversation as always. I wouldn't yeah. expect anything less. Um, I, as I mentioned, you're going to be back on in about a month or so to talk about the EP, but we should put a, a bookmark that maybe we could go even deeper in a future episode on the uh, project bluebird reimagined as twitter that's something that mm. we can hash out that might that might be that might be a whole episode in and of itself but um i just want to say to the listeners check the show notes all the links you need to follow allison gray will be there including the, her previous six appearances on post woke and allison thank you as always for your time i will look for i'm already looking forward to speaking to you in about a month about your incredible new ep Thank you so much for holding space for this important and unexpected conversation. <laughs> You're most welcome. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'll be right back with my story of the week right after this word from our sponsor. 
Hey, Mickey Z again. Um, I trust you're enjoying this episode. And if you are, I'd really, really appreciate it if you would become a paid subscriber to Post Woke. For just $5 a month, you get daily content, including these podcasts, at least once a week. That's $5 a month, less than 17 cents a day. So please consider doing this. Your help is essential. It's crucial. And this project depends on it. So thank you in advance. And let's get back to the show. All right. This isn't so much a story that I'm sharing to end this episode. It's more of an anecdote. And it has a rabbit theme of sorts. And I'm choosing a rabbit theme because my guest, Allison Gray, and her musical project, When Humans Had Wings, are releasing the debut EP called Run, Rabbit, Run, um, roughly a month from when I'm recording this. So she'll be back on to talk about that. But for now, in honor of her, I'm going to end with this short rabbit-related anecdote. It begins with me walking down 30th Avenue here in Astoria, Queens, New York City. Um, it's a busy strip with stores and restaurants and shops. And ahead of me were, were two men, um, perhaps in their early 30s, and a little girl who looked to be about five years old. So the two men were walking, keeping an eye on the little girl, and having what appeared to be an amiable conversation. The little girl was having the time of her life. She was just exploring her surroundings with her eyes because there was a lot going on. But her eyes lit up when they reached an Italian deli because taped to the door was a handwritten sign about eye level to the little girl. And this sign read, we carry frozen rabbits. She instantly started giggling and called out to her dad. So he stopped, turned around and looked and she said, dad, daddy, look. So he reads the sign and with the timing of a skilled vaudevillian says, wow, their hands must be cold. Thanks for listening. And remember, Keep your guard up.